Hello, everyone. My name is Carl Thomask, and you're listening to the PlaceTech Podcast. Today, I'm joined by John Archer, Solutions Director at Backbone Connect. We're going to be talking about smart buildings. We're going to be talking about cybersecurity, uh, the risks involved with uh, smart buildings. So, John, thank you for joining us. Oh, pleasure. Good to speak to you, Carl. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. So uh, let's let's just set the scene. Smart buildings, they're everywhere. Or they're, you know, they're, they're just about everywhere. We're getting there. And, yeah. uh, and landlords are all very keen uh, to, to jump on board. But why? There's a, there's a number of reasons why, uh, Carl. One of which is that, um, you know, landlords, they're looking to differentiate their buildings. They're certainly looking to uh, attract people. And um, occupiers are looking for, you know, modern, friendly, efficient buildings that are hyper-connected and just great digital spaces to uh, to work uh, and smart tech plays a plays a role in that and um, how do you as backbone connect kind of uh, fit into the equation there uh, well in, in a number of ways as I say the um, uh, the yeah the, the value that we bring is everything from you know enabling these um, uh, buildings, refurbishments, new builds to be, you know, hyper-connected uh, digital spaces where uh, businesses can just come straight in and get productive. Uh, so bringing fiber to the office instead of just dropping it off on the street outside, you know, that's where we uh, that's where we play. But everything from the uh, the whole um, experience, bringing the occupiers in and taking all of their sort of IT and infrastructure headaches away, get them in quickly. Uh, the landlords love it. Nobody likes away leave, uh, but we like lots of bandwidth. We like we like it soon, fast, reliable. Do you think that people understand or appreciate the infrastructure that buildings need to run all that tech that they have? I think I feel like tech is kind of the is often the selling point. You know, the actual products, the tools that we have in there, but the but the infrastructure that runs it. Do you think people appreciate that as much? Well, I think we're almost um, we're almost so used to uh, having um, you know connectivity uh, you know permeating our, our lives, we can take it for granted. So certainly, the speed at which these um, you know agile businesses are looking to move into commercial property now it's completely at odds with the traditional delivery lead times. You know, sixty five working days to bring proper quality business fiber uh, into a building. You know, that's if you can navigate away leave as well. So having that, you know, having those headaches taken away, having uh, you know super fast, uh, proper fiber Ethernet bandwidth baked into the building infrastructure, you know, that's a, that's a game changer for landlords. Mm-hmm. Well, what exactly is away leave? Oh, I'm, I'm I'm so glad you asked that. So it's a legal agreement that uh, the uh, the landlord and the telecoms provider. Uh, need to need to reach in order for first of all fiber cables to be you know drilled in the basement and stitched up through the heart of the the building and typically an occupier that comes in will have to navigate that themselves they'll have to learn how to talk telco and the landlords will have to allow you know muddy boots across the uh, lobby each and every time a successive occupier wants to bring um, you know telecommunications infrastructure in so huge advantages in enabling the building when there's a refurb or new build, getting all of that infrastructure uh, brought in with the with the blessing of the landlord and dropped off almost at the office. Mm-hmm. The reason, one of the big reasons we're talking today is that there are a lot of risks involved. Could you talk 
uh, through some of those those risks. Sure. I mean, you know, I want to preface it by saying that not all smart tech is risky. Uh, first of all, um, I think experience is, uh, you know, showing us some feedback from the smart building show that we attended recently that the more, uh, you know, individual systems and controls that you might uh, bring into uh, bring into a property, you know, potentially the more vulnerable you might be to an attack. It's harder for a landlord, you know, to keep on top of everything when you've got so many perhaps ad hoc systems and upgrades being brought in and no kind of consistent approach to cybersecurity throughout. So we're certainly not saying that all smart tech is risky, uh, but there are some, you know, areas of caution uh, and, and some things that you can take, uh, some steps that you might be able to take when you're thinking about implementing smart tech just to reduce your exposure, really. Mm -hmm. So, so if so does the risk go up as you implement more and more systems in your building potentially yes i think you hit the nail on the head there um often security professionals refer to that as your attack surface if you will so if you you know if you've wrapped the building in a bubble each time you uh, establish a an outgoing connection if the building's reporting temperatures and sensors and things outside that's like poking a hole in the bubble equally if you want to permit um, system maintainers remote access to go in and check in on alarms or measure sensors and things again you're poking holes in the bubble so before you know it the more of these systems that are either calling out or needing to be connected in you end up with lots of holes in the uh, the fabric and that's the uh, attack surface of the building increasing that's that's sometimes hand in hand with the risk how i guess the question is how, how do landlords assess uh, assess the risk in terms of you know what, what what tech they implement what how many systems they decide to use whether it's whether they use one system that does everything or if they have various providers uh, uh, doing lots of different things how how do they assess assess all, all those all those different levels yeah it's uh, it, it's challenging Carl because uh, you know landlords in the in the first instance all of a sudden finding themselves getting into the yeah the realms of um, technology that may or may not be their their comfort zone I think you know over the you know, the last few decades maintaining you know motor vehicles and doing oil changes and changing brake pads hasn't changed much but now you look at the uh, the vehicles that are going in you open up the bonnet you almost need to be a software engineer to maintain them and it's you know becoming the same with uh, with buildings maintaining them and you know your approach to maintaining a building has now almost become a a question of you know software updates and uh, and security than uh, just bleeding uh, bleeding radiators so from a landlord's perspective it is a challenge and um, you know there are some uh, steps that they might uh, they might take you know it'd be wrong with me to write a prescription before i've examined the patient but certainly uh, um, security professionals generally suggest one would start with a, a risk assessment just to you know assess what it is that's um, potentially uh, vulnerable and then you can look at uh, you know steps to mitigate that but uh, yeah it's challenging for uh, for landlords mm -hmm. we've we kind of skipped over this but uh, to really drive home how important this is could, could you talk about some of the risks uh, let's start with with uh, occupiers what what are the risks to occupiers uh, in terms of uh, uh, smart building data breaches to uh, you know anything that could go wrong with what they implement yeah i mean it's uh, it, it's fascinating really carl because the um yeah the bad guys out there i mean cybercrime it's uh, you know it's become industrialized these days i mean it's it's a huge uh, industry 
um, and very often the uh, the bad guys are looking for the low hanging fruit. So it's not really you know spotty teenager in a bedroom looking to turn the lights on and off. Although that might be uh, yeah that might be one example uh, of, of a smart building breach. But uh, you know it could be that um, uh, the risk might start with something as simple as a a, a phishing email that comes into um, you know a, a building manager or an occupier and you know they download some malware. You know, there's a there's a, a breach on a, a local server or machine, and you can then hop around the network of devices that are that are connected. So the risk to uh, uh, to occupiers, you know, could be either directly to them as a as a business with a, um, a data breach through uh, through phishing, or indeed that some of their data which is held on building systems that becomes exposed as well. I think that's where you talk about your GDPR risk. You know, it's not as simple as people signing in on the front desk with their name and address and personal information and that being in public view. But if there are building systems that you're looking into, putting in your personal credentials, a lot of people fall in the habit of reusing passwords. So, for example, if they're logging onto one of the building systems with a commonly used password, there's a challenge there if that system's breached because you've identified the user and their favorite pet or date of birth. So, um, yeah, there are uh, examples there. So. Yeah, GDPR. If you're logging onto uh, building systems, you know we're all signing into uh, things quite routinely. Are willing to give up personal information. You know, who's who's responsible for that? If you're within a building, is it the the landlord? Is it the the building manager? You know, who's um, you know looking after your right to be forgotten and protecting your data? What do you think? Who should be responsible? Well, sixty-four thousand dollar question, Carl. I'd 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 be uh, I'd be nervous as um. Uh, as a, a landlord and asset manager, you know, if my building hit the headlines uh, through a breach, you know, it would impact my uh, business reputation, perhaps even my share price. I want to reduce my exposure as much as I can. Um, you know, we're, we're very often looking for for someone to blame, but would it be the the team on the front desk? You know, they weren't the ones that specified the building management system or the access control system and how that remote access is maintained. So should they be responsible if there are lots of uh, different systems all connected to the guest Wi-Fi and there's a and there's a breach on there. So na- narrowing down that uh, accountability. Um, again, there's no uh, single um, uh, you know single clear defined uh, owner for that uh, for that risk. Uh, uh, and therein therein lies part of the challenge. To be honest, Carl. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's a, a case of educating the industry? Yeah, very, very much so. And there was a uh, again a um, uh, article in the uh, Wall Street Journal, um, you know, ex- on exactly the same theme. Extremely topical. You know, there's a almost a gold rush of smart building tech going in uh, at the moment, and and in many cases for all the right reasons. You know, we all want our buildings to be more environmentally friendly. You know, monitoring people count and uh, turning the lights off when we're not in, turning the temperature down when they're not occupied. Well. You know, it'll it'll really help with the um, carbon footprint in commercial real estate. But of course, exactly that. The flip side of it is the more sensors and systems we're putting in, the more that we're connecting them to the internet, there is a bigger risk. There is an exposure there uh, potentially, and you do need to apply uh, a good dollop of uh, best practice or good practice uh, wherever you can. Good cyber hygiene and awareness right the way throughout if you're going to reduce reduce your risk down. And does does that involve, or should it involve, uh, landlords hiring specific people who take care of that in their company? Yeah, I mean, it could uh, it could start with some um, 
policies around the uh, the teams that specify the systems. You know, the systems integrators. Um, you know, we found again at the smart building show that there are experts in all of the you know the plumbing and the joining up of the networks within the buildings when they're either uh, you know refurbished, upgraded, you know, you know modernized. But then equally. Are they are they the experts in the application and the cloud technology and the uh, the internet access? You you kind of need that oversight. So when we're specifying these systems, cybersecurity needs to permeate all of those elements and uh, you know some evidence that the landlords have at least taken cybersecurity as a as a theme and run it throughout their um, specification and uh, the project managers have evidenced that when they sign off and commission the buildings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think one one potential concern that I could see here is that potentially landlords don't even know what the, or some landlords don't necessarily know what the right questions to ask are when they're dealing with this. Yeah, quite quite right, and they'll leave that to the um, uh, the consultants and teams that are uh, specifying the the systems. But uh, the you know the that's that not necessarily meaning that they're all um, joined up and talking to each other, Carl. So you know the teams that go in one day commission the access control system uh, it could be that just to get that guest app working uh, that maybe they've tested it and got it working on the guest wi-fi because that was the only internet available to them the following day the ab team goes in commissions the sonos and knocks out the access control system so uh, you're, you're quite right you know it does need a, a joined up approach and for each of those disparate teams to be uh, making sure that they're applying uh, you know good practice and uh, in some cases network segregation, you know, don't use guest Wi-Fi for, you know, mission critical or, or building systems, uh, IoT, uh, Internet of Things, networks, segregate your networks, stick them behind a firewall, those kind of um, good practices as, as basic starters, Carl. Do you find that there's more pressure to take uh, security seriously from the landlords themselves or from, from their occupiers? Well, we're seeing, we're seeing both. Certainly when... Um, uh, when occupiers are looking at the uh, the credentials of the the service providers that perhaps providing their you know managed uh, desktop their IT support they'll look for certain um, uh, credentials such as uh, cyber essentials uh, and the occupiers themselves in many cases that's a, a great starting point to be able to show to their clients and customers that they're taking cybersecurity seriously so something as um, you know as uh, as basic but good practice. As cyber essentials would be a, a good uh, a good starter. So, what are they looking for in buildings? Well, absolutely, they're looking for a, an efficient building, one that's you know hyper connected. But they want the reassurance that their their data, their well being, it's not going to be breached through a uh, through a cyber attack. So, uh, you know uh, that that might come through in a in a building specification. It certainly will be on the the list of things to look out for as awareness grows. I mean, it will be the next big uh, headline, won't it, Carl, that will really focus attention. So I think we're looking to get ahead of the ahead of the game instead of too far behind the curve. Mm-hmm. And we were talking a few days ago and you mentioned that one of, one of the risks is that it's not necessarily the big stuff that will get, uh, get landlords in trouble. It's not going to be the things that make the headlines like uh, a massive uh, energy pipeline being shut down or anything like that. It's it's little things. I mean, could you could you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's um, it's similar in a way. If you were a um, you know a, a, a hacker, uh, you know, looking for for low hanging fruit, um, it's similar in a way. If you were walking through a a car park and you know you you 
you you want some things and valuables inside a car would you just walk up to the first car and and smash the window make a lot of noise and rummage around or would you go around trying all the door handles just to see who's left their left their door open um so actually they're looking for very um you know open vulnerable systems that are easy to get at and they might use that then to hop across to another uh, another system um and again it's amazing how many um cyber security breaches start with an email so even something when we're talking smart buildings even something as fundamental as uh, phishing awareness you know making sure that your um uh, team uh, whether they're an occupier or a building manager can recognize um a dodgy looking email not click on a, a curious link or open up an attachment because sometimes that malware can hop off the building management network onto another system another controller um, even stuff like um, changing default passwords on devices. There was yet another one in the press this week about uh, you know millions of routers being vulnerable because there've been you know default passwords left on them and uh, potentially vulnerable. So it's the same in uh, in these building systems as well. Some basic steps that we can take that uh, you know just try and reduce down that risk. You know, mm -hmm. uh, in in your experience, do you find that people? Uh, do you find that clients talk to you about these things preemptively or after they've they've already run into trouble? Well, the the good news is I think the uh, the awareness is growing. So when we're looking to um, when we're looking to book assessments, I think our, our clients are uh, quite you know surprised the depth that we uh, that we want to go into to make sure that they're safe because uh, you know sometimes there are a few things that um, uh, you know behind the scenes. Uh, could be uh, could be breached, um, so it's not really you know masked people trying to you know you know sneak in the back door of the building and do something malicious. It it can literally be someone halfway around the world. There's a, a Windows vulnerability. They'll have an exploit and they'll be able to get in quite you know quite quite comfortably because there's no network firewall and a, a default password or an unpatched server. Um, so fortunately, um, you know we're not responding necessarily to uh, you know, big, big, big headlines of of major breaches. Uh, there are some landlords that now are absolutely, you know, keen to make sure that their estate is being um, assessed uh, for for cyber risk, because uh, certainly it will be on the uh, it will be on the decision making alongside environmental credentials for occupiers in smart buildings soon. I mean, what what do you think is an easy win? For people uh, who might feel a bit overwhelmed by all of that, where where do they begin? What can they, they do next week to uh, to make their buildings a little more secure? Well, I, th I think actually we've got uh, you know Black Friday coming up, and uh, I think that's actually the the bad guys know that everyone's tempted by an offer, and uh, so things like the phishing emails that come out say, you know click this link for a wonderful discount or whatever it might be, you might end up with a surprise. But uh, so even something like phishing awareness, you know, run some phishing awareness training, make sure that your systems are, uh, are patched and that you're running your uh, Windows updates uh, appropriately. That's before we even get into the what can they do within buildings, you know, segregate the uh, uh, the IoT, the Internet of Things, the smart building networks from your guest Wi-Fi, you know, don't share those networks make sure they're firewalled and segregated um, so certainly uh, remarkably on a conversation about smart buildings 
good cyber hygiene and uh, um, fishing awareness, strangely enough, could uh, could help a lot of people out. But certainly it's it's great practice, just the same with your uh, your car. You know, you'd get an MOT on your car to make sure it's, uh, you know, performing well and safety first. Uh, it can be the same principle for uh, smart buildings car as well. How do you think all of this is going to change in the next few years? Do you th- are there any specific risks that you think will become a bigger threat and some that might not be as as important in years to come? Well, again, we've seen examples where um, some of the monitoring and, uh, and sensors used in uh, buildings uses completely segregated and uh, encrypted uh, networks, which is a, a really, really good thing. Um, but there are still an awful lot which rely on uh, traditional um, you know, plumbing internet connections. And uh, in some cases, the buildings, when the contractors go in to install these systems, yeah, they might implement, for example, their own you know, standalone broadband connection for them. So you end up with a building with lots and lots of different systems all on their own individual networks. Whereas actually, if a landlord said, I'm going to have one uh, network with a, a solid you know, portfolio-wide security policy, tightly controlled, you know, change control, everything managed and patched, all of the network segregated, that can really, um, you know, really help protect that uh, asset and keep things, uh, you know, keep a keep a tight lid on things. Uh, otherwise, the uh, the risk is just Im- implementing more tech for sake of uh, more tech and uh, increasing your exposure. So, uh, you know, I'm not saying that we want to tie these down to the point of them not becoming smart or being restricted. I'm just saying let's apply some uh, you know, some uh, common sense and good practice around how these things are connected. That will be wonderful. Yeah, I, I think tech for the sake of tech is a is a theme I, I've heard over and over again for the last last eighteen months. Especially, it seems like everyone wants to get, wants to get in it, but they don't exactly know why. In some no, cases, I know what you mean, and I, I, I you know, I, I personally, you know, really want to um, see the you know the environment save that you know the sustainability side driven i think the smart tech's got a brilliant place uh, in uh, in building efficiency and uh, you know uh, reduction in wasted uh, energy um, but yeah i wouldn't want to see that um, compromised equally uh, when there are so many uh, yeah, basic steps that could be uh, could be taken to to secure the buildings mm-hmm. how's what you offer going to change in the next few years is there anything in the pipeline that uh, that might be interesting for for listeners. Well, we're um, seeing again just huge adoption of uh, of, uh, of high bandwidth connectivity. Interestingly, after coming back to the office, uh, you know, a period of um, remote working, the whole hybrid working thing, you know, means that uh, some of us are part home, part office. There was a lot of um, turn to work where we're still adopting as we are today you know, video conferencing technology through different, you know, pick your favorite uh, app, Teams, Zoom, etc. We came from home back to the office and we're still using those for meetings. And, uh, yeah, the bandwidth that that uh, chews up when you've got half the office talking to their clients still over the same conferencing systems that we were using remotely. So, the, you know, the bandwidth utilization has gone up significantly. And interestingly, um, yeah, the kind of businesses that are either um, downsizing out of larger corporate office into more um, you know agile tech connected spaces that you know the very flexible modern workspaces they they demand excellent 
connectivity, particularly wireless. And I think Wi-Fi has lagged behind largely. Um, so I think the realization that uh, not just the individuals uh, that are demanding the, the quality of connectivity, the bandwidth demands have gone up and people have been really very much more reliant on Wi-Fi, but also the smaller, fast growing organizations that have outgrown someone's kitchen, you know, maybe it's fintech, maybe they've been into some, uh, you know, a little bit of co-working space now looking to branch out and get into their um, uh, their first offices of 20, 30 people. Again, they're not bringing that legacy um, IT clutter, the old sort of servers and printers that you used to see in a traditional office. They just want super flexible, you know, well-connected digital spaces. So I still think that bandwidth in terms of the, uh, you know, the individual usage, the expectation uh, that it's always on. So resilience uh, and backup, because we can't just be, even though it's superbly reliable when you've got fiber um, internet in, you know, there's still the what if you still need, um, you know, high performance, high availability. Of course, when the buildings go go dark, if there's a power cut, you can still up sticks and, uh, and work from home. But uh, people really do enjoy, I think, in some cases, the flexibility of part at home, part in the office where you can be with your buddies, but really super well connected when you're uh, when you're in. I like to ask this from everyone, but how often are you back in the office now? Uh, three, four days a week. Really enjoying, enjoying it? it. Yeah, very much so. Very much so, and uh, it's it's one of those things that um, when you've got the uh, uh, the convenience of uh, the convenience of both, um, you know it's uh, it's it's a it's a great balance. But uh, no, you can't you can't beat being back in with your uh, with your workmates, eh? <laughs> no, I, I agree. I'm. Uh, it's not very often I come I come to the office, but it's I, I have done the last few weeks, and uh, it, it has been nice. It's been a nice change. Equally, I've been out on uh, client sites this week, and uh, we don't always get to see the um, yeah the shiny parts of uh, buildings as we go up the floors into these new um, you know redevelopments and fitted floors. Sometimes I'm afraid I get down into the uh, engine room where the uh, where the plumbing is, and that's where all the smart buildings uh, systems often uh, live in the less glamorous uh, parts. So uh, <laughs> got to take the rough with the smooth. Yeah, and uh, and some vitamin D. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> Well, John, I think that's uh, that's a lot for us to mull over and for the listeners to wrap their heads around. But thank you for uh, talking us through all of that. My pleasure, Carl. Thanks very much for your time. Thanks for listening to the Playstech Podcast. I've been your host, Carl Thomas, speaking to John Archer at Backbone Connect. Make sure to subscribe to our weekly newsletter to receive all the latest trends, updates, and analysis on the prop tech industry. Simply visit placetech.net slash subscribe. Thank you.